Well, we're in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, verses 15, all the way to chapter 2, verse 4. We're continuing our series, Strength in Weakness. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Would you please stand as you are able for the reading of God's word tonight? We'll hear God's word. Because, of, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy For you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did so that when I come, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. This is God's word. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we do thank you that you have given us your word And we thank you that you are active and on the move in the world as your gospel is faithfully proclaimed and authentic gospel ministry is practiced, even in places like London, and we praise you for that. I pray that you would help us tonight as we sit under this word, that we as a church, we as a people would be shaped by it, be conformed to the image of your son all to your glory. And we pray this in the powerful and precious name of your son. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever spent time with someone who has a constant need to defend themselves. Everything seems to be an attack against them. Everything is someone else's fault. Every conversation is a need to clear their name or protect themselves. 
but it's pretty clear that their defensiveness is simply a veil to cover up their own insecurity. Their defensiveness is only aimed at their own good. So to someone who always is defending themselves, you might say, don't be so defensive unless you're talking with the Apostle Paul. (laughs) Our text tonight is one of many in 2 Corinthians where Paul is defending himself and his ministry. But unlike an insecure, worldly man obsessed with protecting his own name for his own sake, Paul is a mature apostle of God who defends himself for the sake of the church. Paul's defense of himself is for the church's devotion to Christ. To help us understand just a little bit about what's going on in in our passage and in this letter, just turn a few chapters ahead to chapter 11. That's going to help situate us in what's going on behind the scenes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 2, Paul writes this to the church. For I have a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, You put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. We'll end there. That gives us some context here. Paul is like a spiritual father to this Corinthian church. He led them to faith in Jesus. But now there's opponents here in Corinth, these so-called super apostles, and they're proclaiming a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel, and they're trying to lead the Corinthian church away from Paul's message. And so throughout the letter, including our text tonight, Paul is defending himself, but he's defending himself for the church's devotion to Christ, because to lose Paul is to lose the true gospel, and to lose the true gospel is to lose Jesus Christ. Paul has something to prove, but it's not for his own ends, but it's for the good of the church and even for the good of us tonight. So turn back with me to chapter one, our passage here. We're entering into what some might call family drama. <laughs> Some in the church, they're questioning the motives and the words of Paul, the spiritual father of this congregation. In our first few verses in 15 to 17, they outline for us Paul's desired travel plans to spend time with this congregation. He wanted to visit them not once, but twice for their double benefit, or in his words, a second experience of grace so that they might be strengthened spiritually and edified through his visit, but also through their contribution to the ministry of Paul and of the saints. 
But Paul's travel plans changed. He did not come according to the plans that he had originally made. He had to make an unplanned visit, a painful visit to rebuke sin that was in the church. And instead of visiting again, he writes a difficult letter. A change of plans and a strong letter, both of which were ammunition for opponents. That's why Paul says in verse 17, if you look there, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? You see, there's a narrative that's being told about Paul. Don't you know, Corinthians? Paul changes plans. Paul writes painful letters. You see, Paul is unreliable, untrustworthy, unloving, unspiritual. And so here we have, in this part, Paul is clearing the air against those who are trying to discredit him. And he does not do it for his own sake, but he does it for the sake of the church. His defense for their devotion. His defense for their good. You see, the Corinthians' relationship with Paul mattered. And so too, our relationship with Paul Because Paul is a representation of the true, authentic, apostolic gospel ministry. And his ministry continues on today through the apostolic testimony that is written down for us in the Bible. So our relationship with Paul matters. Namely, what we do with his message and with his ministry that is written down for us in the scriptures. So just like the Corinthians, there are some in our day who want to go against Paul and go against his message. Some will say it's outdated. Some will say he's a misogynist. Some will say his message is offensive. Some will just want to cut and paste what they like about Paul and cut out what they don't. People want to go against Paul even in our day But just like the Corinthians, we too are tempted to go to an alternative option. For them, it was the super apostles bringing a different Jesus to them. But that wasn't the real deal. What are the alternative options people are tempted with today? It could be the lure of spirituality. It could be the lure of politics. It could be the lure of a prosperity gospel, all of which are alternatives to the apostolic ministry represented by Paul. But tonight, instead of going against this ministry, instead of going to another alternative to this ministry, Paul wants the Corinthians and Paul wants even us tonight to get behind Paul's ministry. Get behind Paul's ministry because our devotion to Christ depends on it. So Paul's defense, there's two things that he makes tonight, two ways. It's his message and then his motives. So we need to get behind Paul's ministry because his message was faithful. And we need to get behind Paul's ministry because his motives were loving. So look at verses 18 to 22 with me. Paul is beginning his defense here. And it's calling us to get behind his ministry because his message was faithful. Instead of being 
unreliable and untrustworthy, his message was faithful. So amidst all of these swirling questions about his character and his travel plans and what he was doing, he wants them to remember the message that they received from him. Verse 18, it says this, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. What Paul's doing here, he's grounding their apostolic witness in the very work of God himself. What's true about Paul? Paul was an apostle. He was commissioned by God to speak of Christ. And so his ministry and his message was faithful because this, because he was commissioned by a faithful God. He was commissioned by the faithful God to proclaim the message of a faithful Christ. Look at verse 19 with me. It says that Jesus the very Son of God, the Christ, was proclaimed among the Corinthians by Paul and his apostolic associates, Silas and Timothy. The faithful God gave Paul a faithful message about a faithful Christ. And so here's Paul defending the words about Jesus that he himself made known to the church. And Jesus was not yes and no. But Jesus was always yes. Jesus was faithful in all he did. Jesus was upright. Jesus was righteous in all he did. Jesus never went back on his word. And Jesus remained true to his word and true to God's promises. And what's true about Paul is Paul remained true to proclaim the faithful Jesus Verse 20 pretty much sums it up for us. He says, all the promises of God find their yes in him, namely Jesus. Paul is putting before us that he was a faithful messenger that proclaimed the faithfulness of God to fulfill his promises in Jesus. And so what Paul is doing is drawing our own hearts tonight to God's yes to all of his promises in the Bible. Is Jesus the one who would crush the head of Satan? Yes. Is Jesus the one to bring God's blessings to all the families of the earth? Yes. Is Jesus the prophet greater than Moses who would teach God's word? Yes. Is Jesus the one who will never leave or forsake God's people? Yes. Is Jesus the promised redeemer to deliver us from sin? Yes. Is Jesus the greater David who would righteously rule over God's people? Yes. Is Jesus the suffering servant who would take the place of sinners? Yes. Is Jesus the son of man who was given an everlasting kingdom by his father? Yes. Is Jesus the one who would comfort a weary people in their exile? Yes. Is Jesus the one who would come and die on the cross for sinners? Yes. Is Jesus the one who would rise again from the dead to defeat sin, to defeat death, and to defeat Satan? Yes. Is Jesus the one who ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit to renew God's people? Yes. Is Jesus the one who promised 
to usher in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Yes, is Jesus the one who promises to come back to make all things right and all things new? Yes, all the promises of God in the scripture and more and more and more than everything I have just said is yes in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? The response, the right response to the promises of God that are fulfilled in Jesus are amen. Paul even says that in this text. All the promises of God in the Bible are fulfilled in Jesus. They are yes. So behind the whole course of human history, there's a faithful God who sent the faithful Jesus to fulfill all of God's promises and to be proclaimed by faithful messengers like Paul. And the right response is amen. So if Paul was the faithful vehicle to proclaim the faithful Christ to these Corinthians and they responded with their amen to the glory of God, why would they question his ministry and his motives? Instead, they should get behind his ministry, as should we. Paul was commissioned by a faithful God to proclaim the faithful Christ. And verse 21 shows us that this message produces fruitful results. See, God brings about spiritual fruit in Paul and in the Corinthians and also in us when the gospel is proclaimed and received. You see that there in verse 21? And it is God who establishes, establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. They were established in Christ, strengthened in him as they received the apostolic message. They were anointed with the spirit and they received, as they received the apostolic message, meaning they were set apart for God's service. They were sealed with the spirit as they received the apostolic message and the spirit was given as a guarantee of the certain future that awaits all who receive Jesus and receive the apostolic message. You see, Paul, he's putting before us that he preached a faithful message about the faithful Christ as one commissioned by the faithful God and that produces fruit. The only message that produces fruit as it's received in faith. And so Paul wants us not to be against this ministry or this message, but to get behind it, to stick with it. So what does that mean, to get behind Paul's message? Well, first I think it means this, that we receive his message in the Bible. He proclaimed Christ, he wrote of Christ, so that all may know God's yes. So we need to receive Paul's message about God's yes in the Bible. We need to receive those promises and get behind them. Let me offer some promises from Paul that are found in the Bible tonight that are yes in Jesus. Are you anxious tonight? Well, Paul wrote that Jesus gives peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Friend, receive that message. Are you weary tonight? Paul wrote that Jesus comforts us in our affliction. Receive that message tonight. Are you fearful of death? Paul wrote, nothing separates those who are in Christ from God. Eternal glory awaits. Receive that message tonight. Maybe you're enslaved to sin. Let me tell you what Paul wrote. Paul wrote that Jesus has power to deliver us from the domain of sin and darkness. Receive that message tonight. So despite accusations, despite the empty alternatives, Paul proclaimed a faithful message about a faithful Christ. And we need to get behind that message and to receive it but also to share it. If this is the message that is the hope for the world, that all the promises of God are yes, then your neighbor, your family member, whoever is far off from Christ needs to hear Paul's message, that all of God's promises are yes and amen in him. So let's receive it and let's share it. Get behind Paul's ministry because our devotion to Christ depends on it. His message was faithful. But in verses 23 through 2-4, we get another reason. Why should we get behind Paul's ministry as a church and even as God's people? We'll get behind Paul's ministry because his motives were loving. His motives were loving. In verse 23, we see that some Corinthians questioned Paul's reliability. And in verse 23, Paul is peeling back the curtain for why he did not visit a second time. He reveals his motives, and he reveals his motives, which were actually always for their good. They couldn't see this, so what Paul does is he swears an oath and calls God to the stand to be a witness against him if he is speaking falsely. We could sum up his motive in the phrase, abundant love. You see that at the end of verse four. Abundant love for them and for their ultimate good. Follow along in verse 24 with me. Paul is describing his motives. He did not lord his ministry over them, but he lovingly worked with them for their joy. He goes on and tells that he was not harsh or against the Corinthians, but he was lovingly bound to them. He describes in verses one through three that his joy was wrapped up with theirs. Their grief was wrapped up with him as their spiritual father and as an apostle of Christ for them. There's a deep loving bond between this church and Paul. And in the coming weeks, we're gonna learn that that some in Corinth had caused great grief and great pain to Paul. He made a painful visit to bring correction and call for repentance and instead of visiting again which most likely would have ruptured the relationship completely he writes them and he's confident that this writing to them would bring about the most spiritual good and gladness for the Corinthians and for their relationship so he was lovingly working with them for their joy he was lovingly bound to them in relationship with them through Jesus Christ, and he was lovingly acting for their good out of love. Verse four, Paul reveals 
that in not visiting, but instead in writing, he was not unfaithful, he was not unreliable, he was not unloving, but his ministry toward them was done out of abundant love. Even writing difficult words, difficult words of correction, it came with much affliction and anguish and even tears. Paul's motives and his ministry are very clear for us. He acted out of abundant love for their ultimate good. So therefore, these Corinthians needed to stick with Paul, needed to get behind his ministry. So to us tonight. So how do we get behind Paul's motives? Not only his message, but his motives. What does that look like even for us? Our text reveals that the faithful motives of Paul, that rep, they represent his apostolic ministry as a whole. And so we get access to that, like I said, in, in the Bible that we read and that we hear taught. And so even for the Corinthians, what they received from Paul was a hard letter and it caused them grief and it called for repentance. But that was written out of love and for their ultimate good. So to us, we will often encounter in the words of Paul written down for us hard and difficult truths. Paul, you want me to believe that? Paul, why why are you calling me in the Bible to live this way? Paul, you want me to desire this instead of that? They're gonna be difficult and hard things for us to receive and to believe. But in those moments, we need to remember the motives of Paul in writing the letters for God's people. Abundant love for our eternal ultimate good. That is why it is there for us, even if it is hard. It is to lead us to greater devotion to Christ and serving him. We need to get behind his motives. But it also... As a church, it it does paint a picture for us for what our motives should be with one another in the life of this church. His motives must become our motives. So here's two questions I just want you to think of in light of Paul's faithful, loving ministry and motives. First is this, do I lord over others for my benefit or lovingly work with them for their joy? Do I lord over others for my benefit or lovingly work with them for their joy? In marriage, are you lovingly working with your spouse for their joy? In parenting, are you lovingly working with your children, not lording over them, but working for their joy in Christ? In your friendships, are you lovingly working with them for their joy in Jesus? Second question, and last one here. Are my actions with others in good times and in hard times motivated by abundant love? See, this was a tumultuous relationship 
This was a hard situation for the Corinthians and for Paul. And even in that time, he was motivated by abundant love. In our actions with others, in good times and in hard times, are we motivated by abundant love for their eternal good? So when good times come, we should celebrate and let abundant love motivate our response. And when hard times come, when people need to be confronted, let abundant love motivate our responses, even with tears. So here we have two reasons Paul's defending himself, his ministry, his motives, his his message, and it is not for his own sake, but it is for the sake of the church and even for the sake of us tonight. And his character is pure and right. He is trustworthy. He's the faithful apostle, and he invites us tonight to get behind his ministry for the sake of our devotion to Christ. His message was faithful. His motives were loving. So college church, let's get behind Paul's message and his motives and his ministry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would continue to establish us in your son Jesus as we receive it in faith. Lord, I pray that you would work through your word in Wheaton and in London, in Chicago and in Southern California. All over the world, Lord, I pray that the apostolic ministry modeled by Paul would be on the move and growing and that people would be getting behind it for their eternal good and the good of others and help us here to do that in our message that we speak and that we receive in our motives and our relationships with one another. May you receive all glory and all honor. In Christ's name we pray, amen.